All right. Well, we are going to continue our series that we're calling Suit Up. We're in part eight. We'll be talking about the sword of the spirit. Let's read Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. This is our text and talk about the spiritual battle. So Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So that is our text. We've covered uh, many, many different topics and the different parts of the armor of God all the way up to the sword of the spirit, which is what we talk about today. How many people have been waiting for the sword of the spirit? You know, if you're the sort of person that likes to go into battle, you're not that excited about shoes and belts and stuff like that. But now we finally get to the sword. Uh, A friend of mine is a blacksmith and we went to visit him at the Steam Thresher's reunion in Rolog a few years back. Uh, he was doing blacksmithing over there and the, my boys were with and so he's going to make them something there. Uh, and they wanted a knife, you know, they wanted something that was scary. And, and he said, everybody wants something pointy, you know, <laughs> everybody wants something sharp. And this is today the sword of the spirit. We finally get to an offensive weapon, something that we can use to fight the battle with, not just hold our ground and, and have the, uh, the shield, but something that we can go to the enemy with, to fight the battle with. So let's reread Ephesians 6, 17, and 18, and we'll look deeper at the sword of the Spirit. So 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So we see the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We'll be talking about that today. So this is interesting language with a sword and that being equated with the word of God. This sort of language is also used in Hebrews chapter 4 verses 12 and 13. So let's go to Hebrews chapter four, and we'll look at another place where the word of God and a sword is brought together. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. For the word of God is alive and active, 
sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So we see in Hebrews 4, we see the word of God and a double-edged sword. In Ephesians 4, we see the word of God is the sword of the spirit. So the context of Ephesians is the spiritual battle. Of course, we've been talking about the spiritual battle this whole series. The context of Ephesians is the spiritual battle. The context of Hebrews is sanctification. It's growing closer to God and aligning our hearts and our lives with God. That's what's being described there in Hebrews chapter 4. And the specific context is Sabbath rest. It's taking that day to connect with God and grow in our faith. And this is described in the verses just before that, Hebrews 4 9 through 11 says this, Hebrews 4, 9 through 11, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. And then it goes back into verse 12 that we already read the word of God sharper than any double-edged sword. The context of Hebrews is living our lives connected with God. And that double-edged sword helps us to look in the mirror and see the word of God, the truths of God, and how they apply to us. That's what we've got with Hebrews and Ephesians is about the spiritual battle. Now, the sword is a powerful weapon. And the point of the double-edged sword and the sword of the spirit is that the word of God is very powerful, very powerful, not just something simple, but extremely powerful. In biblical times, a sword, that was a great weapon. You know, there, there weren't rifles, there weren't nukes, there, wasn't, there weren't tanks, there wasn't all that stuff. You know, chariots are maybe a step above, but uh, for Personal combat, a sword is right at the top of the things that you can have uh, to do battle with, a very, very powerful weapon. So the point is that the word of God is powerful. It's powerful for sanctification, as we read in Hebrews. And this is when a section of scripture, when the word of God hits you like a ton of bricks. You know, if you read a scripture and you're like, oh, wow, I need to deal with that. I need to make some changes. I need to I need to get in line with this. It's that double-edged sword of the word of God in sanctification, like in Hebrews, is when that scriptures hit you like a ton of bricks. And the sword is powerful in the spiritual battle. And this is when the word of God hits our enemy like a ton of bricks, where we can do battle against our enemy, against the spiritual forces of evil, against the darkness, And the word of God hits our enemy like a ton of bricks. So we see the power of the word of God described as a sword, both for sanctification and for the spiritual battle. And so here's my question. Do you feel like you have a powerful weapon? Like you're in battle and you've got a powerful weapon? Or do you feel powerless and vulnerable? That's my question. 
And here's my goal. My goal today is to help you grab a hold of this powerful weapon from God. I hope you can grab hold of this thing. It's a little bit, it's a little difficult to discuss because it's one of those things that you, people either they get it or they don't. But I'm going to try to bring you along to a place where you understand this a little more deeply, understand what the sword of the spirit, the word of God is. The word of God, that's your sword. And in kids' church, they do sword drills. And that's where they put a scripture verse up, and then they have to go find it real quick. And that's a sword drill. So they're talking about the sword as the Bible. And they're looking for verses. The Bible is the word of God. And so very, very important that we understand, you know, the Bible is a holy, inspired, inerrant word of God. Grab hold of the Bible. But in the Bible, the phrase word of God or word of the Lord is used in multiple different ways. You know, Jesus is described as the word, the word of God. Prophecies and visions, messages from God are described as the word of God or the word of the Lord. So we have those things that are all put together in the scriptures and we have that as the word of God. And, you know, there's a problem there that I see, and that's that a lot of Christians are familiar with the Bible, but I don't know that they have the sword of the spirit. You know, they're familiar with the scriptures, but I'm not sure they're familiar with the word of God. I want to talk about that for a little bit. How we look at the Bible has a huge impact on whether or not we can truly pick up our sword or if we're doing something different that is like that, but not exactly the same. So the problem is that some Christians are familiar with the Bible, but they're not familiar with the word of God. So they've learned the Bible, but they still don't have a sword in their hand. If you're someone who's read the scriptures and you've memorized verses and you've gone to Bible studies, but you don't feel like you have a powerful weapon against the enemy, then you're familiar with the Bible, but you're not familiar with the word of God. So I want to make that kind of distinction here today. So how we look at the Bible determines whether or not we can access the sword, whether or not we can access the word of God. So we want to be able to access the sword, not just see the Bible in inferior ways. And I want to look at two ways that some people look at the Bible that doesn't allow them to truly pick up the sword. The first one is looking at the Bible as trivia. People learn to answer various questions. It's one of the things I noticed as a new believer was people memorized things that I thought didn't really matter that much. I mean, there's nothing wrong with memorizing the books of the Bible in order. That's cool. Uh, there's nothing wrong with memorizing where the Apostle Paul stopped in all of his missionary journeys. That's fine. But it seemed to me like people just wanted to be able to answer trivia questions and they were looking at the scriptures as ways to, you know, like it's important to know this so we can answer trivia questions. If that's the primary thing that you're looking at from the scriptures is the scriptures is trivia, then you're certainly not picking up a sword. You certainly don't have access to the power of God to fight the spiritual battle. You just have trivia. And, you know, it's good to learn that stuff. That's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you substitute the word of God, uh, the sword of the spirit for trivia, then that trivia is not going to help you in the spiritual battle. That trivia is going to make you think you've learned some things, I suppose, 
uh, and maybe you'll win some contests and whatever, but that doesn't mean that you're going to be able to fight this spiritual battle and win. So I don't want you to look at the Bible as trivia, trying to learn it so that you can answer questions. Some people look at the Bible as religious ritual. You know, I read my verses for today, so I guess I'm good with God now. You know, I've accomplished my spiritual thing that I need to accomplish because I read my verses for the day. This is seeing the Bible as religious ritual. And that also isn't going to be very effective in picking up the sword of the spirit, the word of God, doing battle in the spiritual realm. Just having read your verses so that you can say you've read your verses because it's a religious ritual for you isn't going to give you access to the sword of the spirit. So how do you know if you're looking at the Bible insufficiently or not? Well, if you know how to answer the trivia questions and you read your scriptures on a regular basis, but you don't feel like you have a sword in your hand to fight the battle with, then you're looking at the scriptures the wrong way as religious ritual or as a way to access the answers to trivia questions. And those aren't the right ways to look at the scriptures, the holy word of God. We should look at the scriptures, the Bible, as the word of God. Do you have a sword in your hand? And let me tell you, some people have criticized Christianity as boring and irrelevant. If you look at the scriptures as trivia and as religious ritual, you're going to slide into that boring and irrelevant place. But the sword of the spirit is not boring and irrelevant. It is right where we live and just what we need to fight the spiritual battle because that battle rages, that battle goes on and we need to be able to fight it. So the sword of the spirit, the word of God is not boring and irrelevant, but trivia and ritual can go that way if we don't add the power of God into it. So How do you get your sword? You don't get your sword through trivia. You don't get your sword through religious ritual. How do you get your sword so that you can do battle? The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. How do you get your sword? You get your sword when you can speak, proclaim, prophesy, and pray the word of God. Again, this doesn't mean that when you pray, make sure that you slip a scripture verse in there with its reference. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being able to align with the powerful truths of God, to proclaim them, to pray them, to stand on them. That's when you're pulling out the sword and you're able to do battle against the enemy. Like I could quote James 4, 7 as trivia Or I could grab hold of the truth of James 4, 7 and put it into my life. So let's read James 4, 7 again. We did this several weeks ago. Uh, Let's look at James 4, 7. And uh, we'll look at the difference between looking at the truths of God the wrong way and actually grabbing hold of the word of God. So James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So knowing this verse in a trivial sense or reading it every day as a religious ritual doesn't necessarily mean that you've submitted yourself to God or that you are resisting the devil. You have to actually submit yourself to God and resist the devil. When you do that, then you're aligning with the word of God. You're connecting with the word of God and you can resist the devil. One of the best ways to understand how to resist the devil, I heard in a sermon by Pastor Keith Moore And he made it very, very simple. 
when you're resisting the devil, there's just two things you need to know. Number one, tell the enemy to shut up and then get out. You know, shut up and get out. Whenever we're dealing with the enemy, let's say that you're you're dealing with, you know, some dark spiritual forces that you can feel that you're aware of somehow, shut up and get out. Maybe it's something that you're you're thinking the there's a temptation or even the enemy is planting an emotion or a thought in your head, shut up, get out. You want to push those things aside. So you have to actually resist the devil. You have to actually submit yourself to God. Then you're grabbing hold of not just trivia and ritual, but you're grabbing hold of what the word of God is about. You're starting to pull your sword out. Now, people who tried to do this but failed, the seven sons of Shiva from Acts 19, 13 through 16. I just, I love this. I read it as often as I can. It's a great example of some people who are trying this, but they missed the sword of the spirit, the word of God. They missed the power of it. They were trying to grab hold of the power, but they missed it. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Shiva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. So did they have the sword of the spirit? You know, were they having an incredibly powerful weapon to do battle against the enemy? No, Uh, they were quoting things, you know, but they didn't have the true sword of the spirit. They hadn't submitted themselves to God. They were just doing what they heard somebody else was doing. So they missed it. We don't want to be in that place where we miss it because we're seeing the scriptures as trivia or ritual. We want to grab hold of the true word of God. We see this described, how the 72 disciples that Jesus sent out, what happened with them? Luke 10, 17 through 20, completely different scenario than the seven sons of Shiva. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So here we see these 72 that Jesus sent out. They realized they had an incredible, powerful weapon that they could get the demons to submit to them, to follow their direction, to go. And they were amazed at that. Jesus said, you know, that's great, (laughs) but make sure that you're thankful that your name is written in heaven. And that really shows the difference. The seven sons of Shiva didn't get it. The 72 did. And we need to make sure that we're connected with the 72, that we're making sure that we are living like them. So when you're aligned with God, you can speak with power, you know, God created this whole world, this universe by speaking. And when we are actually engaging with the sword of the spirit, it's going to involve us speaking out the truths of God, the word of God, proclaiming the word of God, prophesying the word of God, praying the word of God, standing on the word of God. That's what it's going to take, not just quoting a verse in a trivial way, but standing on the word of God. So 
When we speak, when we submit ourselves to God, then we have authority given to us by the Lord. That translates then to like the sword of the spirit, the word of God. We can now speak with authority. We have authority as a follower of Christ. And then the word of God becomes our sword and we're able to go and fight the spiritual battle. So I want to give three examples in my life to try to help people see this because, you know, I'm talking about seeing the scriptures as the, you know, trivia or ritual versus as the word of God. And I think that can be a little tricky concept. Maybe I hope you're getting it, but I want to give some examples of this sword and when I've seen it happen in my life, just to try to help make some distinctions here. First one is prophecy in the church. Someone giving a prophetic word, speaking the word of God for someone to hear. Now this, of course, when this happens, it needs to be in alignment with the scriptures, but it can be something that's in alignment with the scriptures, but not necessarily quoting a particular verse. And when I was in my 20s, I was in graduate school and I was attending a small fellowship church that met in a elementary school cafeteria. And they had a special guest speaker come in one time and he was kind of a a evangelist prophecy guy. And uh, he's preaching, you know, just loud and banging on stuff and making all kinds of noise like the good preachers did in the good old days. But I was was in my 20s and I was still in that kind of critical spirit place in my life. And I'm sitting in the group and there's maybe 40, 50 of us there in the church service. He has stopped in the middle of what he was saying, looked straight at me. I think he pointed at me even and said, look up, not over. If you look up, you'll see the glory of God. If you look over, you'll see the faults of men. And then he went right back into what he was saying. That was so powerful because I I just thought to myself, yep, that's pretty much where I'm at. That, thank you, sir. Uh, that's a prophetic word. It's the word of God. He was speaking in line with the truth of God, that double-edged sword. That's more along the lines of, for me of the Hebrews sanctification process, word of God, double-edged sword. But for him, he's there preaching and he's trying to help these people get aligned with God. So he's speaking it out like he's fighting against the enemy. And so he's using it in the Ephesians perspective, the Ephesians six way. And that was a personal experience that I thought was very powerful. He spoke and that double-edged sword came and hit me, but he was using the sword of the spirit, the word of God to advance the kingdom of God in the hearts of the people he was speaking to. So that's an example of the weapon of the sword of the spirit that I experienced in a prophetic moment in a church service. Another way that I see the word of God come is by reading a scripture and applying the spiritual principles to your life from that scripture and trying to live it out, proclaim it as the word of God over yourself, submit to it, try to grab hold of it and stand on it. For me, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 8 and 9, among many different verses that have had an incredible amount of influence and power over my life. This one is super important in my early years, especially 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 and 9 say this. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. 
for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. So I read this, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. This was the word of God, the word of the Lord that came to Paul as he's dealing with this thorn in his flesh and he wants it to be gone, but God speaks to him. The word of God comes to him and says, it's not going away. My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. And I felt like I had weaknesses that were insurmountable. I had weaknesses that just basically derailed me. My two main weaknesses were, I wasn't good at reading. I had a lot of trouble reading and thus gaining new information. So I had trouble reading the scriptures and learning. And then I also just did not fit in. I did not belong in the Christian world. I just didn't get it. You know, it was a weird culture for me that I didn't fit into. So I had these two great weaknesses where I felt like I didn't understand what these biblical principles were, the theology everybody's discussing. I just didn't understand what they were talking about. And also, I didn't feel like I fit in. I didn't belong. And those were huge weaknesses. Now, if God's power is made perfect in weakness, then God can turn those weaknesses into strengths not my strength, but God showing his power through that. And so I, I just decided I'm going to believe that. I'm going to use that as a sword to do spiritual warfare. Because, you know, the enemy can come and tell you, you don't belong. What are you doing in church? You know, you need to go spend time with God by yourself in the woods and, and isolate people. The enemy will try to do that to people. I knew I, I can't do that. I can't isolate myself. Even though I don't belong, I'm going to choose to belong. And God's going to show his power in my weakness. And now, you know, I can see things from a perspective that most pastors, most church people can't see things from because I came from the outside. I didn't learn all that stuff. I didn't go to kids' church. I didn't go to youth group. I didn't learn Christianity until I was an adult. And so I see things from a different perspective. And God can use that in powerful ways. And then also... You know, I couldn't read very well, but I could listen to the Bible on tape. So I listened to the Bible on tape over and over and over. And I think that gave me a good wide perspective of the scriptures rather than a, you know, word at a time perspective. Now, that's very good. But I think a lot of people are missing that broad perspective of the scriptures. And so that also God showed his power in my weakness. And then also the healing of my ability to read. Now I can read just fine. So it's an incredible, incredible thing. So that's part of the, the sword of the spirit. The word of God is standing on a biblical principle and applying it to your life, believing for it and grabbing hold of it. And then the last example I want to give is the worship time in church. You know, our song service. What is this? Is it people singing songs or is it spiritual warfare? Now I've seen both. I've seen church where people are singing songs and I've seen church where there's spiritual warfare going on during the song service. And one great example, uh, when I was pastoring in Big Fork, Minnesota, a few years into the church plant there, and we were having a section meeting where all the pastors get together. And, and so we were going to have about 50 people coming to church on a Friday night. And in the pastor's meeting before the service, I told all the pastors, you know, like, we need to take a stand in the spirit for Jesus over this region. So during the, the song service, during the worship time, I need you to do spiritual warfare. And they did. 
And we saw just the power of God right there during the church service. And I believe still echoes of that in that region where we took ground for Jesus Christ during that worship time and spiritual battles were going on. And that can happen in that sense. It can happen in a personal sense where you're doing spiritual warfare during the worship time, or you can just be singing songs. Man, I'm excited when we can meet together again and we can fill this place and we can worship the Lord. Let's do spiritual warfare. Let's grab hold of the power of God from on high rather than just enjoy singing a few songs together. So those are three examples of how we go from, you know, how we can experience the word of God, the sword of the spirit versus maybe trivia or religious ritual. All right, we're going to close here. You know, we close in prayer and uh, we are not having the prayer teams come forward still because we're still online. Again, looking forward to when people can come up for prayer. Put a prayer request in at prayer at goodhope.ag. Just send an email, prayer at goodhope.ag, and you can get your prayers specifically prayed over by the prayer team. Prayer at goodhope.ag is how we go for prayer. And as we close, I want you to get your sword. I don't want you to feel powerless. I don't want you to feel like there's all these things happening and you're just a, a victim of whatever direction the wind blows. I want you to have a sword so that you can stand your ground, so that you can have power to fight the enemy. Uh, don't settle for mere Christian trivia or mere ritual. Find the power of God. So I want to pray Ephesians 3, 16 through 19 over you. Uh, this is a prayer recorded in the scriptures a prayer the Apostle Paul prayed over the church in Ephesus. And I want to pray this over you and then also close in prayer. So I want you to get your sword. I want you to be able to do battle against the enemy. If you've been stuck in trivia or ritual, take that knowledge, take that discipline that you have, and now add to it the power of God, the word of God the next level of connection with God so that you can grab a hold of your sword. So let's pray. We'll pray Ephesians 3, 16 through 19, and then we'll close. So Heavenly Father, you are so good. Father, I pray that you would uh, meet each one of us right now, this very second. For those who are hearing my voice right now, Father, by your spirit, meet them right where they're at. And Lord, let this prayer that Paul prayed hit them and make a powerful impact. Here's the prayer. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Heavenly Father, let us be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Let us grab hold of our sword, the word of God, that we may proclaim your truth, that we may pray in the spirit, that we may prophesy your truth, that we may just speak out your word, and have power behind it so that we're not victims, but we can do battle in the spiritual realm. And Lord, also 
Let your word penetrate our hearts so that we grow closer to you, so that we align deeper with you. Lord, bless us, encourage us, give us strength, and help us to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen.